Hello, welcome to Constella podcast series. Hello and welcome to Kinstellar Podcasts. We're trying to get insights concerning the current economic situation in the context of coronavirus pandemic. In particular, we'll focus on private equity, venture capital and corporates engaging M&A activities. I'm Razvan Popa. I'm co-heading the private equity sector in Kinstellar. And I'm today with Laurencio Chocurlan, managing partner of Equilion, private equity fund focused on small and medium enterprises. Laurentio, do you want to introduce yourself and the fund you're representing? Yeah, sure. My background is in investment banking for the past 20 years. Basically, that's what I've been doing. I, I did work for a few years, many years ago, in a private equity fund dedicated to SMEs, which was quite successful. Then 16 years ago, I started uh, working for Ifison Bank, where I left last year. And in all this period, I managed the investment banking team. And we have been involved in basically every significant capital market transaction in Romania, which means I was part of transactions totaling uh, something close to 3 billion euros, mainly equities, and also a part of many M&A mandates because taking into account the market is still small. We were involved on both on the capital market side and on the private transaction side. Last year, I left this position to start a totally new venture where I have as the sole financier limited part of the Pavel family, which is uh, probably the richest family in Romania. They are mainly known as owners of the demand DIY retail chain, but also with quite a significant portfolio of real estate assets and also uh, listed equities. We started this project with a Equiliant is a fund completely focused on SMEs. Although with our business proposition, uh, we discovered progressively that it could also in certain instance address large companies. And our philosophy is to look for good quality, ambitious entrepreneurs who have very aggressive growth plan for which they don't have enough resources generated by the company plus what they could get from the bank. So they need an additional equity portion. So if that's the situation, then it's something that we are very interested in. From that perspective, the driver for the growth in our eyes is the entrepreneur. An SME depends fundamentally on the founding partner or partners of the company. And uh, as a result, we decided that what we want to do is to get minority stakes in this kind of companies because we believe that in companies that are still small, although they may be very large in terms of their segment, so because they are still small, they cannot afford the cost of a full-fledged corporate structure. So we are looking for those companies that are good, very differentiated. They are good at what they are doing. They have a significant position in their segment because a lot of markets, like in pretty much any country in Eastern Europe, a lot of markets are still small. So if you have a company with 20 million euros turnover in a market of 80 million total size, obviously you are talking to the market leader. That's the kind of companies that we are talking to. So high growth potential, good quality entrepreneur in need of additional equity. And our bet is on the entrepreneur. Hence, we take minority stakes. So that's the working, the operating philosophy of Equiliant. Thank you very much. We all know that difficult times are ahead of us from a business and financial perspective. Given your particular focus on uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, what do you think they should expect in the next three to six months from a business and financial perspective? 
We are pretty much between a rock and a hard place. On one side, we are supposed to do everything that is in our power to flatten the contamination curve with the virus. That's what I understand in terms of how the social distancing is applied. That's the target, to flatten the contamination curve and to have that happening as quickly as possible. If that doesn't happen, it means that all this effort of basically stalling the normal functioning of the economy was in vain. That would be the rock and the hard place is the massive slowdown in the functioning of the economy. There is no operating manual in terms of how to find the middle way between these two extremes. So on one side, try to flatten the contamination curve, but on the other side, without really killing the economy. So from my perspective, I think the next three to six months would be very challenging. We would definitely be very significant reductions in activity. If you look at the landscape all across the world, you have whole sectors that have been completely shut down, like the restaurants, the travel industry, hotels, airlines, everything is now basically dead. It's a self-reinforcing vicious cycle. On one side, you had a very sudden supply shock. On the other side, the supply shock is creating a significant slumping consumption. And the slumping consumption is driving the other reductions in activity, meaning other reductions in supply, like, for example, the in the activity industry, in the automotive sector. Who would think about buying a car when you are basically confined at home? First of all, why would you need it? And second, why would you waste valuable cash that may be needed for much longer than you initially imagined? I think it's going to be challenging. I think the next three to six months will be will be really difficult. In particular, for Romania, this context comes also after a period when the government has irresponsibly pushed all the levers for a growth on steroids, leaving uh, the country without fiscal space in the current crisis. It's going to be a difficult period, but it's also a period of opportunity in my mind, because we will be forced to do a lot of things that we would have never done in normal times. Yeah. What is the position of the fund you present? Are you still going to invest in this period? Are you taking the uh, watch and see position? What are your thoughts around your own business? You know very well from your own experience that an investment process is never something that happens in days or weeks. No matter how fast you move, you still need anywhere between four and six months to, to complete it. From that perspective, it's not going to happen immediately. But what we are very actively doing now is to look at a number of projects that we believe could be very significant, very interesting consolidation platforms in their segments or industries. So yes, we are working full steam, looking at uh, a number of projects. Remember, we started in June last year. We have met a lot of very interesting entrepreneurs. We have a short list that we are working on now. You never know how many of these opportunities that we are actively considering currently will go through. If the question is whether we are working and being busy or just taking a wait-and-see attitude, now we are working and we are actively trying to advance with some opportunities that could be promising. Even in some cases uh, with companies that were very seriously affected, but which have a certain level of differentiation that is interesting to us in their industry. Because the name of the game in what we are doing, that's an operational obsession, if I could call it like this, is differentiation, differentiation, differentiation. How are you doing things differently? How precisely are you addressing your segment? How clear and well-defined is your strategy? So what we never look at 
because we are not looking for Goliaths, we are looking for Davids. What we look at is companies that are nimble, that have a good strategy and that address a very well-defined clientele with a very well-defined product or service. In many cases, it's about niches, but in some other cases, it's about companies that are specialized in segments where they are leading, but uh, segments which have a quite a precise, quite a clear definition. So again, we are looking at businesses that are reasonably well specialized. They have a clear differentiation. What we never look at is generalists, because generalists, especially in times like this, are the first victims. Right, makes sense. Unless you are very big. Yes. But if you are small and generalist, you have a very high chance of being a casualty. You're right. Is there any industry or industries that drawing your attention these days? I'm not in the position to say precisely what industries we are looking at. As I said, we look at companies that are differentiated because we believe the differentiation brings above average growth rate and on the other side, above average profitability. No matter how hard you have been hit, in some cases because of legal reasons, because the government just said, okay, your business is shut down or businesses that you depend or industries that are related to your industry have been shut down legally. If you have been above average, if you delivered an above average performance before the crisis, we keep talking and we keep looking at that company. We are trying to figure out how the world will look like, not together with the entrepreneur, of course. Imagine how we could take advantage of this crisis. How can you grow organically to occupy the place in the market that is left free by your competitors that went out of business? Or how can you buy at a much more competitive price these smaller competitors? In some cases, it's about buying their clientele. In some other cases, it's about taking advantage of a good structure or some good assets. You never know. That's a direction of action. To put a bit more clarity, we are very conscious that after this crisis, there will be a significant contraction in revenues, a significant contraction in wealth. That's why we are looking at companies that can afford to be profitable in the value segment. So from my perspective, value, please don't confound this value with low price. We are trying to make very carefully this uh, differentiation because what we are looking at is uh, value for money. Of course, in some cases where you don't have too much space to differentiate, it's rather about low price. Households will be emerging poorer out of this crisis. They will be looking for cheaper products, but cheaper does not always mean low quality. What we are trying to focus on is cheaper but good quality, which brings us to the next point when we look to some companies. How good is your operating model? Because you cannot sustain an improved price quality ratio without having a quite an efficient operating model, allowing you to remain profitable, even if for a while, one year, two years, you will need to sustain a compression in margin. Also, alternatively, we are looking at companies that are by definition cost leaders in the very Michael Porter sense of the word. So companies that have an operating model totally focused on delivering a product or a service at the lowest price possible, at a certain quality level. These companies will be prospering in the difficult times that uh, wait for us after the crisis. From that perspective, I think if you look at these type of companies, you probably have a lot of growth space in the next two, three years. 
because a lot of companies will emerge with a smaller balance sheet with very limited financial resources, maybe with a lot of debt, with a market that has shrunk, with people that potentially have changed their tastes and the way they do things. We are experimenting a lot these days. We are doing a lot of things differently. Even the government, which is the most conservative player in the market, is desperately trying to do things differently in order to keep things in function. The name of the day is digitization of all the governmental services. Of course, there is a lot of effort to do that and get there. But the fact that this has become a priority, all the society is putting pressure on the government in this respect, is quite a significant change. I'm giving you this example just because you live in this country and you know how much the governmental bureaucracy was adverse to the idea of massive digitization that would entail reduction in stuff. So because we are doing a lot of things differently, the market will look different after the crisis is gone. That's why we are trying to look at companies that are differentiated, able to deliver a better price quality ratio while remaining profitable and or are cost leaders. I think that's what we could say. Obviously, we look very much at services because we believe this is a sector that is less exposed to globalization. Of course, we are speaking again about some very specific differentiated services that have a very clear definition and where there is a consolidation space. Talking about consolidation, we are looking at companies that can become even regional players. So they have a lot to do in Romania, but once they cover the market here, they could easily expand in the region. One or two of them actually do have a, already a presence outside Romania. We do encourage companies that are nimble and have the courage to step out of the domestic market. In the end, that can give us at exit the possibility to not to sell just one market, which is Romania, but to sell a regional market. Yeah, it obviously makes sense what you're saying because all the markets around us are relatively small and, and sometimes certain types of businesses benefit from expanding their business across borders due to various reasons. Coming down to my sort of next question, which I think you covered already, but maybe there is anything else you would like to add on the question around whether this situation will impact your investment strategy? Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, I think it's the impact will be quite significant because until now, we are looking at the company, we always looked at it from the perspective of a dual strategy. So our question was systematically, is this company able to absorb to some acquisitions, assuming there are some acquisition targets that are available for it. But at the same time, is this company to grow very quickly organically? Now, I think the significant change brought in by the crisis is the fact that we are focusing much more on the acquisitions avenue, at least short term, in the next one to two years, as the most significant route to grow the companies we invest in. Just because this is a window of opportunity that only opens once or twice in a generation. So we cannot miss that. I would say that's the key change in the way we look at our targets. Thank you. Who do you think is going to be among the winners of this period and who will be the main losers of this period in terms of entrepreneurs and businesses? I think the name of the game is clarity and differentiation. So I really believe that the company that has a very strong focus on a certain category of clients that is able to deliver a product or a service that is addressing very well its clientele is probably most likely to survive. Quite the opposite, if you are small 
and you do a lot of things, but you are not at least reasonably good in any of the things, of the many things that you do, it's going to be difficult for you to survive. That's my personal view. Thank you. Is there anything you would like to send across as a message to your listeners? For the companies that obviously are trying to figure out what is the most efficient way for them to survive in this environment and, if possible, thrive after the crisis is over, I think the existential questions about why are we in this world? What clients... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Getting back to the fundamental questions, especially if you are an SME, that's an exercise that you should do. What am I supposed to deliver to my clientele? Who are my clients? What do they want? So I'll try to go through this exercise in order to have as much clarity as possible about what your clientele looks like, what do they want, and what is your product or service giving them? Basically, following very closely the client that you want to address. Don't try to do too many things. Try to focus on one, two things that you are doing very well. To me, trying to focus on what you do well or on your, let's say, areas of excellence is the best way to survive and to thrive in the world after the crisis. Of course, I'm not going to get into the things that everybody is doing these days. Manage very closely your cash flow, collect the uh, invoices, delay payments of the monthly rental cost, postpone some debt service to the bank. Any entrepreneur is trying to do all these things these days. But in the end, the key question is, why am I in this market? What am I providing to my clients? Who are my clients? And what are my one, two, three areas of excellence? then that's what I should bet on. That's what I should put all my focus on because everybody will be facing scarce resources after the crisis. If you survived, anyway, resources will be scarce. So you cannot afford to spend them on too many things. If you have a plan about how to do more with less, then that's probably the first step for taking advantage of the opportunities brought about by the aftermath of the crisis. In a nutshell, it's the hedgehog concept. What is your main proposition for the outer world while you're here? Uh, what I want to say is that I'm very specifically thinking about SMEs because large companies will be shattered, but they have more options. But SMEs don't have too many options. So if you don't have too many options, then you should do the maximum out of the limited options that you have. And you cannot do that without clarity about all these things. Yes, indeed. What you're saying, the SMEs should be the hedgehog from the ancient Greek parable, which was saying the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing, right? In a way. Yeah, probably, yeah. I don't the fox being parable. the large corporates, which will find a way to survive. I think we are saying the same thing. I was actually discussing a few days ago with a friend who is a very good entrepreneur, and I told him, look, you don't need to be Goliath. You don't need a sword. You not, don't need an armor. You don't need to grow your muscles. The only thing that you need to do is focus, focus, focus every day on your most important skill. And your most important skill is how to throw the stone so yeah. that you break his frontal bone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how to perfectly use your sling. That's what you should focus on. So that's what I'm trying to say. You don't have too many options, but you should be excellent at the limited options that you have, at the limited skills that you have, resources that you have, use of resources. Right. Thank you very much. That being said, we'll end this podcast at this level. Thank you very much for your contribution, Laura, into you, and we'll keep in touch and see how this whole situation evolves for all of us. Thank you very much. Thank you.